morning, everybody. Dimity McDowell here with the Train Like a Mother Club. Um, excited to have a webinar this morning with the lovely and talented uh, Coach Amanda Loudon. Hello, Amanda. So how's, how's life out on the East Coast? What's going on? Uh, well, can I tell you, we have probably the nicest day that we've had all summer today. I mean, really? because it has done nothing but rain all summer. And um, oh my gosh, but today is spectacular. It is picture perfect. So I'm excited. Oh, good. Have you run already today? Have you already soaked up the beautiful weather? I, well, you know what? So I just like the way I, I set up my week this week. Um, I was not, I was, today was not a run day. I, I swam and did CrossFit, but I'm going to, I'm doing my long run tomorrow because it'll still be like this. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Oh, good. You swam and did CrossFit this morning. Yes. Yes. Wow. Badass. Um, very yeah. good. Swim in open water or swim in pool water? We have no open water in Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> it's always poles, unfortunately. Because well, where do you swim in Denver? Do you have any open water or is it always pools too? I mean, it's a pool, but I mean, there are open water places where you can go, but it's, it's yeah. a commitment to get to them. You yeah. To, like it's usually I was going on like Saturday mornings and it's a whole thing. You have to have like a permit and sign in and out for safety reasons. Wow. And yeah, okay. it's, I mean, it's good to have that, but it's definitely, um, like I said, it's kind of, you have to plan and, and uh, take yeah. the time. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, cool. We have a, a gazillion, not a gazillion, but a nice, nice crop of questions um, and good varied ones too. So, um, so let's jump in. Um, and, and I should say, if you are listening right now and you either want to talk to Coach Amanda, you know, one-on-one -on -one right now, or you have a question um, either that you have at the beginning of this or another question like raises a question for you, if that makes sense. Um, just uh, either you, you can either um, chime in um, or raise your hand. Um, and I'll be, and I'll either, and I'll call on you, just like, uh, just like a kindergarten teacher back in back to school days, right? Perfect timing. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so Stacy um, wrote this in over an email. She says, um, recently on any run over four miles, my jaw locks up. There's no pain, and it's not debilitating by any means, and it usually loosens up a short time after I'm done. I don't have problems any other time. It's more irritating than anything, but I'm looking for some suggestions on how to avoid my jaw locking up. Her jaw. Um, yeah, her jaw, like her mouth. Yeah, exactly. You just put your hands, we both did the same exact motion. So, I mean, I think she's carrying a lot of stress in her upper body, right? That's, that's kind of what I obviously. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of something like that before. Um, so, yeah, it would sound like maybe you are just like clenching up. And I mean, although you would think you'd feel it in your, your, your shoulders and your arms a bit too if that's the case I don't I don't know um I, I guess like just try to practice you know relaxing when you're running and like when you start feeling it coming on you know try to take some deep belly breaths um relax your upper body as much as you can kind of you know try to let your jaw go slack I guess um to the degree that you can um I I don't really know what would be causing that otherwise yeah yeah no, Hey, Amanda, one, one question, um, and um, before we go too deep into this, do you have a pair of headphones? I just hear like a little bit of rustling on, yeah. on your side. Can you go grab them? Do you I mind grabbing them? One second. Yeah. Um, and I'll talk for a second about the jaw just because I have a weird story about that. Um, I was at this place called uh, 10,000 Waves. It was a vacation and 10,000 Waves is this kind of Japanese health spa um, right north of um, Santa Fe. And um, I was getting a massage and uh, this woman's like, you need, she's like, I, I need to massage your jaw. And I was like, are, are you kidding me? And she put on gloves and went inside my cheeks um, and really loosened them up and just made me think of that. Like, I think we carry stress in places you may not um, anticipate carrying them. So, I mean, I think uh, if, if I were you, um, Stacey, I would definitely, um, like Amanda said, kind of pull down on the... Um, double down on the like rolling your shoulders making sure your hands aren't clenched you know when it starts to hurt you know do some exercises you know some la 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 open up your mouth and stuff and just see what happens um but yeah I, i'm with amanda and that i've never really heard that happening so my guess is that it's a second it's a secondary thing going on where you're probably carrying stress somewhere else and it's materializing in your jaw so um interested to see if that helps at all let us know because that's that's an interesting one and if you if, if anyone else has another solution um let us know on the facebook page um okay okay so stacy's jaw hurts um over four miles and then her black toe she says curse of the black toe 
seriously, how can I avoid damaging my toes? It's typically the second toe on both feet and it's affected by longer runs. So um, that keeping my nails longer helps, taping my toes for longer runs helps too. Would you recommend another size or half size up in shoe? Absolutely, absolutely. I yeah. mean, really, really nine times out of 10, that is the issue. And, and you know, we all, I think, especially if you're newer to running, you don't realize that, um, you know, the value of having a bigger set of shoes. But I mean, I personally go up a whole size uh, in my running oh, shoes. Versus, yeah, and I have never had a black toenail in my life. So um, yeah, I think when we all start, we just assume we should be going with our street shoe size or maybe half size up. But yes, go up by at least a half a size right now and see what happens. Yep, I agreed uh, with that. Yep, absolutely. And then just also know that's kind of badass. If you look at my feet right now, <laughs> I would be like, wow, I look like the the the, the most intense runner ever. So um, yeah. sometimes, I mean, going downhill a lot. Um, yeah. So I mean, what happened? Like when I was in the Grand Canyon, I got it started, and then um, and then I, the toenail finally came off. You know, a month or two later. So sometimes yeah. you can't really um, avoid it, even though I was in shoes big enough. So, but um, yeah. but yeah just for plain old regular runs going up a half size like you said is a great idea okay um patty uh my question is about pacing how do i help myself stay on pace um she's in the half marathon program by the way i will be running along looking at my gps and i'm running way slower usually or way faster not as often than what i needed to be at how do i keep it at the sweet spot other than setting my pace on the gps to buzz at me when i move out of the range so she's really being dictated by um by the the number on her watch right and and uh, so i'm going to go back to my <laughs> my good old standby that people don't especially love but um in my opinion unless you are supposed to be running a particular pace as dictated by um the schedule so say you're supposed to be running marathon pace um or you know, or race pace whatever the, the case might be race pace miles then yeah look at your watch worry about it otherwise it's okay to be going slower or well i'm not a big fan of going much faster you know i'm trying to go or going too fast but it's okay to like just let your legs set the pace it's okay and don't stress that don't look at your watch and go oh my gosh i'm so slow don't stress that's maybe what your legs need you to do that day and the vast 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 majority of people run too slow too, too fast on their slow runs i mean it is just it is so stinking common and you're really not doing yourself any favors. So I just don't don't stress looking at your watch and the pace that, that you think you should be running um, unless it is a dictated specific pace. Exactly. And those dictated specific paces are going to be, you know, at race pace miles or tempo miles or something where you are trying to pick it up. Right. It's never going to be, you know, Correct. on an easy run or the warm up or cool down kind of thing. And, Correct. you know, what's really hard about it is that you always know what your pace is right now. These days, you know, if you've gone off by five seconds. Right. And it's really easy. It's human nature to want to kind of rein it back in and rein it back in. So, I mean, I would also say, Patty, you know, maybe um, even. You know, there are ways that you can set your GPS um, so you don't even see the pace, which, again, might sound just like, ah, I can't do it. But, you know, just you can set it at um, the amount of time you've been out there and have it beep every mile at you. And then the mile's done, no matter what it is, whether you were supposed to run a 945 or not even supposed to. But if you ran a 945 or a 1045, it doesn't matter because it's gone. And you did exactly what your body was meant to do at that easy pace. So, mm -hmm. um I think that's a that's a good way of me doing it. If you can't see it, then it doesn't feel as urgent to me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I think I want people to understand that there are so many factors that go into what our pace is going to be on any given day. I mean, maybe you had a really crappy night's sleep. Maybe you're under a lot of stress. Whatever it might be, and so you know your legs know what is best for you on that given day. And if it's an easy day or just a you know a day without any kind of specific pace in there, just just go with it. It's okay. You're, it, it's it's better in the long run. Exactly. And and the other thing, I don't know where Patty lives, but I mean, you just said it. Like the you know the, when the humidity leaves the air, when it's a really mm -hmm. nice day, your pace is going to come down just naturally because For you sure. don't have the environmental stress of a hot hot humid day. So you know, for try to maintain a ten minute pace in the middle of July is very different than try to maintain a ten minute pace in the middle of November. You know, absolutely unless you're you know south of the border and then that's a different south the equator yeah. and then it's a different sign but but you know what i'm saying like it's just you gotta like you said like personal things come into it and environmental things come to it so you can't 
yeah, unless it's yeah. unless we're telling you to do a certain pace for a certain amount of time, then uh, then try to try to take that uh, foot off the gas pedal. Yeah. Um, okay, here's Tammy. She's also in the half marathon plan. She is going to Disney World with her family in a couple of weeks. Um, she's going to be in peak week, which is week 13 of the run, walk, half marathon plan. So she, she said, at first, I figured I would just shuffle my schedule around, suck it up, and get all my runs done as planned. But I'm start, starting to worry it will be a lot of time on my feet, considering all the walking I'll be doing in the parks. Um, she says, if I stick to the plan, I'll be doing my longest run 12 miles the day after we return. Possible, yes, but I'm feeling tighter just thinking about it. So her question is, um, could it, would it be crazy to just swap weeks 12 and 13 and get the tough week out of the way before we leave? Um, she would still run it while at Disney, but her workouts would be easier. Um, and her long run upon return would be five miles instead of 12. So it would give her a three week taper rather than two weeks. So what would you do in her um, spot? I actually am gonna say, I don't like the idea of a three week taper for a half marathon. That's yeah. just too much. Your legs are not going to come in. Um, there's a sweet spot between too much and too little, um, and that's how we design tapers. Um, and that's going to be too little um, for your legs to feel, um, you know, what what they should on race day. So I know that's bad news to you. It's not what you want to hear. Um, what I would recommend, okay, yeah, you don't need to do it the day you walked in the door from Disney, um, but it's also going to be okay if you can shuffle things around that week after Disney to say two days after Disney, you know, go ahead and get that that 12 miler in. Um, you know, that's narrowing it down, making it a little bit closer to race day. Um, and that might make you concerned, but um, you know, you it's okay. That's that's not that much drastically closer to race day. So um that would be my my first best ideal scenario for you is is two days after Disney knock out that 12 miler. So um and if that's not going to work for some reason, if it's just absolutely impossible, you can email us and, and we'll figure it out from there. But um, that that's what I would love to see. And I, I, I know that's not probably what you want to hear, but it's working with what we've got. It's a tough love we expect from you, Coach Amanda. You okay, know, good, it's a, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say, I mean, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I, I, a three-week taper for a half marathon is tough, especially because the run-walk plan only had, like, you just build in mileage, right? 12 is going to be your longest run. So it's not like... You know, she's done 14 and then coming back to 12, you know, um, so yeah. she needs to do that, that um, when she is at Disney, um, can she, um, you know, kind of count all the walking towards uh, towards her kind of work daily workouts? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't completely throw running out the window that week. I would definitely yeah. get in a couple of the shorter runs, you know, but if you can aim for, say, three short runs, you know, or run walks, um, you know, that's, that's far better to kind of bridge that gap in there, you know, and yeah, you're going to have a lot of walking. Um, but I don't, I don't think that's going to be a deal breaker for you. So, um, I, I, that's how I would play it. Yeah, exactly. So Tammy, if you hear this and you're like, Oh, I can't make it swing it, um, send us an email and we'll, we'll kind of look at your schedule with you and figure out where we can slide that 12 miler in, but we want it closer to race day than, than, um, than farther away. Okay, um, Summer says, um, I know a lot of people love morning runs, but I really don't. I feel so sluggish, no energy, and I'm easily winded. And she feels almost like a gazelle when she runs usually around seven at night. Um, she says, this has long been a problem of mine. And unfortunately, there aren't any half marathons starting at 7 p.m. There used to be one at five, or maybe it still is, the Las Vegas one. Does that still like yeah, run the I strip at night? So yeah. That could be your <laughs> race, Summer. That could be your race. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, she says, how can I feel better on morning runs? Um, so she's just, you know, she runs, she can't run in the morning right now because her husband leaves her work at 615. Um, she's also has a six month old that wakes up multiple times a night. So she says, how can I make those morning runs feel better? And how can I feel strong on race morning? I'm not a rookie. This is my 10th half but mornings, including race mornings have always sucked for me. So there's no opportunity for morning running at all? Um, in the weekends, she can do it. So we, she can practice on the weekends um, yeah. right now. And then she, um, but but then race morning is always obviously going to be a morning. So she kind of wants, to, I think, helping her just figure out to make those morning runs on the weekend not feel so um, sluggish and hard. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think probably um, just given that you are doing mostly evening runs, I mean, that might be just, you know, part of the problem right there. It's kind of like, I guess swing shifting, right? You know, with people who have to 
you know, work those overnight shifts and then, and then, you know, switch to, to something they're not used to. Um, so you do need to, to be dedicated on the weekends to getting those morning runs in. Um, and I would suggest maybe taking a look at your morning routine before you go out the door and, um, you know, perhaps, you know, you're not giving yourself enough calories before you go out the door, perhaps, um, you know, a little cup of coffee would help. Um, you know, I, I don't know, and it's it's so individual for every single person, but what I would suggest is is every weekend, try, try again until you can figure out what, what the formula is that you need, you know, to give you the energy you need in the mornings. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and I would say like the night before the long run, I mean, if you have like back to back, if it's a Friday and Saturday run, maybe don't do the Friday night one because I feel like sometimes when I exercise that late at night, I mean, obviously um, Summer has a different, uh, she's a night owl versus my morning lark kind of uh, right. <laughs> natural physiology. But, um, you know, I have a hard time falling asleep after when I exercise at night, you know, I'm kind of revved up. So, you know, getting a little bit more sleep that night, maybe trying that as well would be a good idea and skipping a run or two just to kind of play around with it is a good idea. Um, yeah, and, and you know, along those lines, I think um, another thing might be if you run, say, Friday night and then you get up, you know, and maybe you don't take in very many calories and then you get up Saturday morning, you know, you're going into that pretty glycogen depleted at that point. So, yeah, um, yeah that could also be in play. Especially for a long run, for sure. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else in the morning that always feels good to me before I run. I mean, a lot of it is just, you know, don't think, just go. And I think, I mean, people that are morning runners are um, maybe not necessarily natural morning runners, but it's more of the um, the habit and the ritual of it. Um, you know, again, like I, I'm not fighting it as hard as somebody like Summer who likes to run at seven at night, but um, you know, it's, it's laying out your clothes and making sure that your GPS is charged and all the things that kind of, um, you know, uh, can, can be feel like too big, too many speed bumps to overcome to get out the door, right? Mm -hmm. um, so if you make sure, kind of get yourself, especially on those like Saturday morning runs, just say, you know what, I'm, this is what I got to do. This is, I'm going to feel good, you know, kind of talking yourself into it and then going and kind of going with an objective like mind, you know, and not being like, oh, I can't do morning runs. I've never been able to do morning runs, but more like, okay, let's go see what this one feels like today. Maybe it'll feel better, right? Yeah. Thinking about yeah. the Dina Castor, the Dina Castor model of positivity, right? And uh, yeah. and trying to kind of get, wrap your mind to, to, to turn it a little bit to a different uh, perspective. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, Elizabeth uh, says, I'm doing the race at plan for a half marathon on October 7th. Um, I'm also signed up for another half um, on uh, November 10th. I'm hoping for a PR this fall. And part of the reason I signed up for both races is so I'd have a backup if this first one is hot or something else goes wrong. Assuming the first race isn't everything I want it to be and I want to try to race the second, what should my training look like in the, for the five weeks in between those two halves? So I would suggest definitely taking a full week of really short, easy um, running to recover out um, and then sort of start slowly building back up a bit to maybe um, have about two weeks in there of looking like about your week, say, 12 um, week, you know, 12 to 13, those two weeks in there, um, and then and then start tapering back out again. Um, so, you know, look, looking to get like in the middle there, um, like say another 10 miler and then maybe another, you know, 13 or 14, something like that in there. Um, for, for two of those longer runs and, and, and just kind of, like I said, mimic weeks 12 and 13, taper back down again. Yeah. So basically like repeat the last four weeks of the plan. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Kind of like a roller coaster, just kind of build back up and then back down again. Yeah. Sure. Sure. I mean, one thing to think about when you are, if that first race doesn't go as planned, but you, and you know, early on, like maybe it's a temperature, maybe it's, um, you know, your sleep, maybe it's whatever, um, you know, don't, don't, uh, race it particularly hard, you know, don't say, okay, say you're going for like sub two, just say that. And so you come in at two Oh two, but you knew that at mile five that you weren't going to get under two, um, you know, kind of ease off the gas a little bit. Um, that's what I would do anyway, because you are going to take a full week off and then you're going to go right get back into some pretty intense training on the race at plan. And then you want to race again. So um, 
having back to back, you know, almost there and then there is going to be harder. Does that make sense? And would you agree, Amanda? I hope. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I do agree. I do agree. Um, you know, you're going to know, you know, halfway through what's going to happen and how, how it's going. And, um, you know, why crash your legs if it's not going to happen? If, if you can tell, you know, there's absolutely no way to, to pull this thing out now. Don't don't kill yourself. And yeah, save it. Save it for a month later. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, Sharon. Um, hi, Coach Amanda. I'm just wondering, is it okay to split a long run into two runs in the same day if I just don't have the time to do the whole thing at once? It hasn't happened yet, but I've always wondered. Um, are the benefits of a long run compromised if you split it up? Um, yes, but that's okay. If you if it's I don't want anyone doing that on the on the regular. Um, but if you need to do that every once in a while, go ahead. It's fine. Um, you know, it's it's not going to be a deal breaker at all. So. Um, you know, but yeah, there are there are uh, benefits. It's it's you know building your your endurance capacity. That's that's why we do the long runs. Um, but um, again, okay to every once in a while throw in a, a split run. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, summer's back again, so we've got her running in the morning with a positive attitude, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she also says. Uh, I'm also wondering, is it okay to start training for a March marathon after my half that's done on October 13th? I have no speed goals for either. Um, she just wants to finish. Uh, this is her 10th half marathon and second full. And her first marathon was five years ago. And again, she has a six month old. Bless you, Summer, for, for having such ambitious goals right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, I mean, I, you know, I, I think there's absolutely it. And as long as you think it's something you can do with, with a, a young baby right now. I mean, yeah, go for it. Um, you know, that's that's what that is really that is all your call. But as far as timing goes, and and where you are now, and um, with your training, and it, it, it's a actually kind of a nice a nice time break in between there um, to set it up to be a it, it can be a really nice marathon for you. Yeah, we just again like just emphasize that don't go straight from the finish line into training for the first yeah. week, right? Like yeah. you need. But so, I mean, if you if you follow uh, Coach Amanda's plan, if that's something you want to do, it's 18 weeks. So you'd have to work back from your marathon. Um, but, you know, definitely having a week or two off um, is 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 necessary. I mean, it's necessary. not even. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, if you're coming off a of half marathon training, you've already got a really nice base, too. So yeah. even if you needed to skip the first two weeks, if, if that's how it works out with the 18 weeks, which I'm not quite sure, it sounds that would be probably pretty close in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but you would be fine because, you know, it, it's probably starting at less mileage than where you are now. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you got You got to give yourself that, that benefit of the break and you can, you know, sleep in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> um, OK, Laura's asking, is it OK to sub an easy run with cycling? Um, so it's actually not like a road cycling. It's a one hour spin class. Um, she says we spin based on power metrics, but even a hard workout is challenging for me to get my heart rate up on the bike. I'm mostly zone two or bottom zone three. So she's wondering, um, so should the spin class be an easy, could she sum up for an easy run or should it be considered a cross training day? Um, and she's also, she's on the race it plan, if that helps at all, if that matters at all. So I have two thoughts on that. Um, first of all, I wanna address the heart rate issue on a bike. You're, you're, you're always, no matter what, your heart rate's going to be lower on a bike because your weight is supported. Um, it's, you know, like I, I know back when I used to um, do triathlons, it, you know, it, it was, you know, my heart rate training zones were always between bike and, and run, you know, 10 to 15 beats difference. Okay. So, but that doesn't mean that you're not getting a hard workout in, you know, if you're spinning, it doesn't mean it's not a hard workout. It is just because your heart rate doesn't get as high as it would running on a comparable run workout doesn't mean you're not getting a hard workout in with that spin class. So that's thought number one for you to take into consideration. Um, so is it really an easy workout? I'm not so sure. Okay. Um, but second of all, um, in terms of the swapping, um, I would still rather see you get out and do an easy run um, because specificity is important. Um, on occasion, if you want to swap them, by all means do it. Um, but weekly, like say you're running four times a week and you want to make it three times a week plus a spin class in, as a substitute for that fourth run, I would not do it because I'd rather see you, again, training for running. 
So. Especially because the race it plan is pretty aggressive and those easy miles are important for yeah. just um, sheer um, volume and, and giving your chance to let, giving your legs a chance to just have a nice easy day, your body to have a nice easy day. And yeah, yeah. I was just about to say the exact same thing. My, my zone, I mean, I always think it's 10 bleats lower. So if I'm at 140 on the bike, like if I was running, the comparable thing would be 150, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's, um, you know, that's definitely, oh, you know, 150 is, is a, definitely medium intense workout you know it's not an easy run yeah. um yeah. so yeah so uh there you go laura so, yeah and, and i and i'll just add to like if we're talking this way that i don't know if there's a way to not do that spin class because i think she's a spin instructor maybe um okay. but i would maybe you know if that is supposed to be an easy day and if you just had speed work the day before running i, I don't know that you necessarily should be doing a spin class the day after for instance um or if it's a day before a long run, you know, things like that. Just take all that into consideration. They are still stressors on your body, regardless of what your heart rate is telling you. So. Well, yeah. And you can go to, a, I mean, again, this is the same thing that goes back to the, um, the, gar, the, the GPS question um, that Patty had. But, you know, you can go to a spinning class, but you have to have an idea of what you want from that class before you go in and you don't get sucked into the do, 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 you know, climb harder, mm -hmm. climb harder, you know, like where you're yeah. like, you know, and everybody else is like sweating like a mother and I am here to spin my legs out and maybe crank it up a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so especially like, um, oh, some of the classes, you know, they, they give you readouts and stuff and that again, you, it's very easy to get sucked into the competition in that. Um, so um, if you wanna, you know, you know, request that you're not up there or, you know, be like, okay, my goal is to be in last place today. Like that's my goal, yeah. you know, yeah. here's something, you know, kind of fun that you just play with because yeah. um, that's, that's, but it's hard, you know, in a group situation to, yep. um, to keep your, your eyes on your own goal. So, yeah, for sure. Especially when they play, you know, the good songs, you're just like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm going to get to the hill. <laughs> um, okay. Um, Julie has a question here. We got another pacing question um, about her half marathon pace uh, in 2015. She trained for and ran two half marathons um one at a nine minute mile pace finishing under two hours and one five months later slightly slower uh last year she trained for the new york city marathon using heart rate training um it was her first heart rate training plan and i was happy to complete my training and finish my first marathon injury free my time was considerably slower than i hoped um she ran a 521 in that first marathon given my half marathon times so now she's back um she's using a traditional half marathon plan She's trying to keep in mind what she used from heart rate training and keep my easy effort runs about 140 beats per minute, but she's struggling with tempo runs. All of my runs prior to heart rate training were probably in the 930 range and now she tends to run about 11 minute miles in the summer. Um, she can go about 915 or 930 for the tempo part of her runs, but it seems really hard to sustain for more for that more than a mile. She can't imagine sustaining that for an entire half marathon. I'm wondering if I've lost my ability to run that fast. Um, she says, I'm only a couple years older, I'm 47, and she's trying to consistently do strength training. So she said, she's her quest, does that all make sense, Amanda? That was kind of yeah, a long Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, first uh, of all, I'm gonna say, if you just did that two years ago, you have not lost your ability to do it. Okay. Um, but I don't know anything else about what went on in these two years or where you are, um, just, you know, physically, or I mean, other than having just come through the heart rate training program, um, I, I it's, it's, so there's some factors that I got, you know, I, I guess without a full and complete picture, yeah. um, it's a little bit tough to say, you know, why you're having a hard time with that. Um, let, uh, let me interrupt, interrupt for one second. Yeah, We've got two Julies on this on this call right now, um, Julie Bolton and Julie Riccio. Riccio. So if you're, I, I just have your first name here. So if you want to talk to Amanda about this, um, let me know, wave your hand or something. Um, if not, uh, that's okay if, if you're not one of those Julies. Um, she wants to, so the questions, I mean, you kind of already asked them, but she wanted to know if she could achieve a time anywhere close to her PR in November um and do you think it's possible for me to get close to where i was before um any tips would be appreciated so neither one of these julies are speaking up so okay um so yeah so let's uh let's kind of unpack a little bit more yeah um so i mean as far as achieving a pr if you're really really struggling to hold so you said that that your your first i guess that the one half marathon with a nine minute pace 
Um, yeah, she went, yeah, about that. Yeah. And if right now you're struggling to run more than a mile at a 915, yeah, that's a big gap. Um, you know, to say that by November you're going to be totally comfortable running under a nine minute pace um, for half marathon. Um, and that's just a realistic picture. Now, as to the like why you're struggling, I don't know if maybe just, you know, doing a whole cycle of the heart rate training, you're used to running at that slower, easier pace. Maybe you didn't. Um, maybe, you know, maybe because of, so with heart rate training, I mean, some, it, it varies in terms of how long it takes you to get the physiological benefits of it. It can take for some people, it can be like a two year process, for instance, to get really efficient at that low heart rate. So maybe you personally had not reached peak efficiency at the low heart rate, and now you're into a different type of plan. I know you're still continuing the slower miles at the low heart rate. But you're not going to be, you're not going to be getting more efficient at a low heart rate when you are doing faster paced running. Um, so, so when, so, so, so that's two things going on there. So, um, you know, if that's your goal by running at a low heart rate for your easy miles, you're not going to get more efficient at the low heart rate with those faster paced miles. But the other part of it then also that you have been playing against you is your body is now accustomed to running at that lower, slower pace um, all the time. And so now throwing tempo stuff back into the picture is an adjustment. Um, so can you get there at, with, with, the, with the tempo pace running? Um, yes, you can get better and faster, but I don't know that it's necessarily going to happen in this particular training cycle. Yeah, no, I think that that's, I think that's, valid. I mean, you, um, that's a, you did a great job of explaining it, Amanda, and I think it is um, a little bit between a rock and a hard place, because your body's neither, like, fully on the heart rate plan anymore, and you're yeah. not, and you're not running the way that you used to be, so it's kind of this in-between, kind of caught between, um, you know, in a current between two islands kind of thing, um, yeah. so, I mean, if I were you, Julie, I would say, um, you know, let's, um, try to race your race really well in November and meaning like, you know, so, so really try to execute a really strong race, meaning, you know, you're um, picking it up and feeling strong at the end, because that, that is one thing that um, heart rate will give you no matter what is that you have, you know, this endurance that is pretty yes. much unbeatable. So yes. let's have, let's have you get some confidence in that. Um, and let's have you, I mean, the other thing that I would say with those, race pace miles when I was doing speed work um, and it was, ha I was having a hard time getting my legs to, to move the way that I wanted them to. I did them on a treadmill and that's helpful um, just because it kind of takes some of the, um, some of the mental game out of it, where it's just like, okay, I'm just going to hang here and I'm going to hang here for a mile and I'm going to hang here for another mile. And um, it's, you know, I, I don't, I, I know as a coach, you want to be able to have your athletes produce that on their own, but to just to get back to that groove a little bit, it's nice to have a little bit of a, a push. So um, that's one, that's another thing that I would recommend doing is when you do have that speed stuff, try to, try to, um, if it is, if it feels like it, it would be helpful, try a treadmill. Um, and other than that, I mean, go ahead. I mean, one, one more thing again, and we, cause we've already touched on this a couple of times in a, a couple of other instances is it still is summer. And so, yeah. you know, maybe come later September, early October, maybe you're gonna, you know, well, not maybe, you will start feeling better. Yes. Are you gonna get back to where you wanna be NPR in November? I'm not so sure, but you you know, hopefully the weather's gonna make a difference too, so. Yeah, and just know that everything that you do, I mean, you know, like it's hard not to put um, so much, cast a spotlight on that race day, right? I mean, it's 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 the natural human thing to do. Like I've done all this work and I want to just come out and show on uh, in my race in November. But really like if you can kind of zoom out and think of the big perspective of everything that you've done, you know, where you just ran your first marathon and you're um, and you're 47 years old and you're still running really strong. And you know, you've got these goals that are definitely within reach. We're not saying you cannot do it. It might just might not happen this thing, this cycle. Like that's really cool. You know, and I, I don't mean to like, you know, be like, oh, you know what, you wanted apples, but I'm giving you oranges and aren't these, don't, these oranges taste good, you know, like I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to distract you from your goal on the top of your mind, but I also think it's important sometimes to, to zoom back and say, oh my gosh, look at all these things that I've done and every mile that you run gets you closer to a place that where you want to be. So, yes, absolutely. 
All right. Um, so first time marathoner, Sarah, she said, I stepped up from the half marathon race distance and she's in week nine. Um, she's training for the Marine Corps. Um, while training for half marathons, I found that it was mentally helpful to go past the race distance with a 14 and 15 mile um, long run. Since my experience is only in the half marathon distance, can you reassure me and educate me about how the design of the 26.2 training plan will help me achieve total marathon distance by race day without actually running that distance before the race? So basically she's asking, you know, why 20, 21 miles and not, um, and not, uh, um, you know, 26. Yeah, well, really quick short answer is that because anything over that is just going to completely trash your legs and you won't recover enough to be able to perform on race day. So yeah. avoid the temptation, avoid the temptation. Um, with a marathon, uh, you know, it, the training sets you up so that the last few miles, you know, it, it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter how much you've run. Those last few miles of a marathon are going to be difficult. Um, and, you know, you just, you have to trust the training. You have to trust that, that running up to 20, 21 miles is enough. And that after that, uh, it is largely, largely mental. Um, so just, again, trust the plan. Avoid the temptation to overdo it because you will not do yourself any favor. Um, you know, you might think you're helping yourself. It might mentally feel good to say, hey, I can cover this distance. But your body just can't do it and recover and perform again on race day, particularly your first time through. Somebody who's an extremely experienced marathoner who's been doing this for years and years and years might be able to like go out and run a marathon and a month later run a second marathon. But um, a first timer, you are nowhere close to that. And um, it's just just not going to work out for you. So so trust the trust the plan. Yeah, there are very few. I mean, I've looked at a, a thousand and a half uh, training plans. There are fair. I can't think of one marathon plan that has you go up to 26, except for I know Jeff Galloway does that on his run walk plans for Disney. Mm -hmm. But he also has you running two and three days a week. Like it's not a it's not yeah. as an intense plan as this. And um, but other than that, there isn't I don't think of one plan that like has you at 25 or 26 miles um, as your longest run before race day. Um, the other thing, and I think you mentioned this, um, um, Amanda, but I just, it's worth mentioning is, you know, the taper plus the momentum of race day is, it is, um, it is like almost like another um, push that you don't even know that you have until you're standing or until you're like through a couple of miles and you're just like, wow, look at that, you know? So, I mean, I remember my first marathon in New York City uh, my first of two. <laughs> so I only have two marathons to remember, but I mean, I remember I ran that first hour. I couldn't believe that I'd run an hour. Right. And, yeah, and like, yeah. you're like, you look down, you're like, I've already run an hour, you know, and yeah. it felt like it was like 15 minutes, you know? So, so yeah. there's that, that the, the buildup of the taper and the momentum of the race day. And I mean, that's a whole different animal is, is keeping yourself kind of under control um, for those first, you know, first half of the race, if not more, but, um, but yeah, there's just, it's, it's, it all comes together in a way that is just, it's, it's kind of magical. I mean, it's kind of fun. It makes yeah. me want to train for a marathon just because you get that feeling. Um, it's it, very little, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I just baked a cake. Like, you right. know, like um, you put together all the ingredients and all of a sudden on race day, it all comes together. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Cindy says, um, I get extremely nauseous after my long runs, which, you know, going over 10 miles, it comes on shortly after I stop running and lasts for at least six hours. She tries to choke down a post-run snack or meal, but um, that can be difficult. Anything I can eat, drink, do to reduce or eliminate this nausea. I feel like my long run nutrition is not what it should be as a result. Thanks. Um, so there's got to be something going on with the way you're fueling, um, it would, would be my guess. Um, so, um, you know, it's again, I, I always say this, but it's very, very individual what's going to work for one person versus another. And the only way to learn what's going to work is to experiment. Um, so I, my, my first instinct would be maybe you are um, hitting too many things like gels and things like that, too many sugary things. You know, I don't know if you're washing down gels with like a, a, a drink, like a Gatorade or a noon or something like that. But that's too much um, at one time, and that will definitely upset your stomach. Um, another um, another thing might be you're just drinking too much overall, and, and you've got kind of like that sloshy stomach when you finish. 
um, or you know, just some combination of foods that you're doing isn't sitting well with you. And so what what, what happens to your body when you're running a long distance is is um, your body is shunting blood away from your GI system because your your running muscles need it. Um, and so that's where the tendency comes to, to start getting some GI distress, you know, during or after. Um, and so again, that's where it just takes experimenting and trying new things and trying different combinations and timings and all those things put together. Um, so I, I don't have a quick and easy answer for you. And I would just say every single week, you know, tweak one thing until you get it right. So yeah. Yeah, I would also say the I, I think I think what you said is super valid. And if you're not if you're getting too much sugary stuff, like definitely think about maybe taking like a Lara bar or if you've tried Ellie's matcha balls or something that's like more like not so sweet. Um, the other thing that has come up in other programs, especially the ultra plan, um, you're staying on long runs is not eating enough, um, which is also what happens like uh, we saw some people in the Grand Canyon who you know, didn't start eating soon enough. And as a result, when by the time that they needed food, they felt so nauseous that they couldn't really get it down. So, um, I mean, if you are skimping on your nutrition on the long run, that also might be something. It's, it kind of depends upon where you are. You might be taking in too much or you might not be taking in enough. Um, and, you know, if I were out for um, a long run, and I know everybody differs on this, there's fasting, there's non-fasting, there's all this stuff, but I would probably be taking um, between 100 and 200 calories every hour. Um, just because that's, that's the, that's what I know works for me. So it's going to take a little, um, give and take from you, Cindy, to figure out what works for you. But I mean, that's, you know, if you're going to be out, say your marathon is going to take you five hours, that means you're going to want, you know, between probably like 500 and 800 calories. And if one goo is, um, hundred calories, um, think of it that way. So, um, so goos are good. Um, you know, if that doesn't feel good, like we said, like, um, like a Lara bar or something that's less, um, less uh, sweet. Um, and then the other thing that always helps me, I used to get really, really bad headaches, not necessarily nausea, but um, really bad headaches because um, after long runs, especially in the summertime, in noon was like doubling up, putting two tablets of noon into a water bottle after, um, definitely helped that a lot um, because of the sodium and potassium I had lost. So I know headaches and, and nausea aren't exactly the same thing, but they can be tied together. So, um, if that helps at all, Cindy, and then if there's more questions, like if you want to come in back on the Facebook page and say, this is what I do, we can help you tweak from there. Um, and, and, and one last thought, too, is um, when you were just talking about noon is that, um, you know, if you're if, if you do feel nauseous and, and if you're concerned that you feel like you're not replenishing enough, you know, go go to liquid calories. Um, you know, sometimes that's going to be easier on your GI system than than solid calories, you know, so um, yeah. look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing, going back to the liquid calories, you know, afterwards, if you're still, if you still have that nauseous feeling, one thing that's pretty easy to get down for most people is chocolate milk. Um, mm -hmm. That's got, you know, the protein and the carbs that you need. So, um, so that's, that's a good, like, you know, with, within 20 minutes or so, you know, just bring a little, one of the little juice boxes of, uh, of chocolate milk after you run and try to get that down. Yeah. Um, okay. Allison, um, she says, I've never used salt tabs before, but notice that towards the end of long runs. So again, over 15 miles in this case and previous marathons, my fingers swell up like sausages <laughs> and I'm laughing because it's just familiar. Um, I think this must indicate low salt levels in my blood and perhaps I should start using salt tabs. Uh, I would appreciate recommendations on starting experimenting with them on long runs, how many and when. So first of all, our fat fingers, is that uh, an indication of low salt? Maybe, maybe not, you know, yeah. I mean, our hands are just kind of hanging out there a lot of times, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's not unusual to get some swelling there. Um, so maybe, maybe not. But if you want to try the salt tabs, I mean, I would start with a very smallest amount, maybe even take a tablet and cut it in half um, and try that, um, you know, and if that doesn't do it, maybe then just go up the next run, you know, to a full tablet. Um, the thing to know about salt tablets is, again, going back to the GI system, they can be very distressing on your system. So you definitely want to play with it long before race day, um, start small and move up as needed. Yeah. And um, and if you think it is, um, and if you, you know, the other thing is that going back to noon, I mean, noon is just yeah. electrolytes. So you could double up on, you know, a bottle of that if you like that and try and see if that helps. But yeah, I mean, I haven't found a solution for that. Um, 
you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. just take your, just take any rings off before you run and then let it come yeah. down on the other yeah. side, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah. Um, okay. Lee, um, I'm training for my first marathon and following the go the distance plan. Looking ahead, there'll be a few instances where I will need to change the day of my long run due to travel. Um, her long run day is currently a Saturday. If I need to swap it to Friday one week, do I just flip flop the workouts on those two days and keep everything else the same? Or is there a better way to adjust it? Thanks. Yeah, um, yeah. everyone on occasion has to move things around and that's perfectly fine. Um, if you're looking to um, move your long run from a Saturday to a Friday, um, I would actually recommend then taking Saturday, you know, like I'm assuming that's a travel day, um, to not run and then run on Sunday um, and then take your regular rest day on Monday. So that instead of having, you know, long run on Friday, shorter run on Saturday, and then two rest days, I'd, ra I'd rather you, you know, spread it out a little bit so that you're not going rest day, rest day. Yeah, yeah that sounds good. Um, and then finally, the last question is from Jackie. Um, she says, thanks to train like a mother. I'm feeling ready for my first marathon. 16 days to go. Exciting for you, Jackie. <laughs> That's close, so this yeah. is a post-marathon question. After I cross that finish line, what the heck do I do? She says, with my life, with all that extra time, the surplus of noon. Um, seriously, though, beyond the immediate ice bath, hydrate, protein consumption, and foam roll, what does the post-marathon recovery look like in terms of running? Um, is there a schedule or guidance somewhere? Um, you know, I mean, my standard guidance is to, to, you know, in terms of recovery and getting back into a regular routine is you, you kind of want to, you know, somewhat reverse your taper. So, um, for those first couple of weeks, just kind of turn that, flip that, that taper over and, and kind of progress back out to some mileage. You're not going back up to your heaviest mileage, you know, because you, you know, you're not talking about a marathon right now afterward or anything like that. So, um, you know, for a couple of weeks, just kind of reverse taper. Um, then I would suggest getting your calendar out and seeing what looks fun to you, um, you know, on the calendar down the road, you know, a couple months down the road, maybe you want to run a half marathon or a 10K or something else. And, um, you know, that'll help keep you motivated um, because you're probably going to have a little bit of um, post-race letdown and, and feel a little, you know, unmotivated, that kind of thing. So, um, so that's what I would suggest for that, yeah. for that kind of, yeah. For sure, for sure. And those first two, like, I mean, going back again to my one New York City marathon, I remember I just did not want to do anything for yeah. a long time, like two or three weeks, and I didn't, and it was fine, you know, yeah. so like yeah. you're not going to, you might lose a little bit, but you'll get it back, so don't yeah. think, you know, I mean, we, we definitely recommend, I mean, I would recommend a full two weeks off after a marathon, I know it's hard for a lot of us mentally, so at least a full week of, you know, just easy walks with the dog, if that, um, you know, and just kind of yeah. taking sleeping a lot and eating what you want and just kind of having a little bit of um, levity in a life that has been so structured. Um, yeah. And then the other thing, like you mentioned, the post-race letdown, just know Jackie, especially because it is your first marathon. So you've been looking forward to this for so long and it's such a huge accomplishment. And um, the day after or, or the week after is a little bit like the day after Christmas. If you celebrate Christmas, you know, it's just you know that everything's going to be okay, but you just feel a little blue and it's totally normal. And um, so just know that and just know that it will pass with time. Um, but having, like you said, like looking at your calendar again, or even having something set, say your race is on a Saturday, the next weekend, have something set up for that weekend. Um, whether it's, you know, you're going to go see a new movie with um, your kids or a friend, or you're going to clean out your linen closets or, you know, it doesn't have to be like, you know, we're going on vacation, you know, but just something that you have in mind because you have this gap of, you know, four or five hours that used to be filled with training and self-affirmation yeah. and exhaustion yeah. and all these adrenaline and all these really good things. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, now what do I do? You know, and some of us, you know, don't know what to do. So we go out and run some more, which isn't great on your body at that point. Right. So, right. um, so yeah, so I would just say kind of have a little bit of a plan. Um, other than that, you know, um, the surplus of noon, save it for your next race um, and and decide what what feels next. And if you want to, you know, train for another marathon, I think most people inherently after they finish the marathon, they're like, oh, I'm never going to do that again. They cross the finish line, never going to do that again. And then, you know, somewhere between 10 minutes and 10 days later, they're like, oh, I think I want to do that again. You know, yeah, so yeah, um, if sure. that's interesting to you, you know, the other if it is interesting to you, the other thing that I would do. Um, and it's been helpful is write down things that went well during the race in your training and things that didn't go well or things that you, you know, that you could kind of improve on. Um, 
you know, I can't remember what I had for dinner last night, you know, so, you know, when you go, if you decide to run another marathon, you know, eight or 10 months down the road, you're like, like, oh, I'll, I'll remember that. I'll remember that, you know, I really needed to have an extra pair of socks or do this or do that. You're not going to remember it, even if you're like, you know, Mensa brilliant, you know, so, um, <laughs> so write it down. Um, I just think that that's um, helpful because then you can go back and look at it and be like, oh yeah, now I remember, or it's just a nice to have that record too of your accomplishments. So yeah. That's what I would do. Awesome. Um, anything else, Amanda? What are you racing at all this fall? Are you running a uh, half marathon? No, I just I did a fifteen uh, k last weekend, which was really really fun. It was a trail race. Um, oh, good. Yeah, so much fun. And um, no, I don't really have anything on my agenda right now. I, I'll probably throw in another trail race here or there, but that's uh -huh. about it. Yeah. yeah. And how about you? Coming off of uh, uh, swim run. run, I know. Um, I am recovering still. I'm. Uh, yeah. I just told myself I was getting a little antsy, and I'm like, I'm just a week out, and it was basically a marathon. I mean, we were out there for close to five hours. So that that's. Um, and my body's pretty beat up still. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So I've been. Uh, what I've been doing. I mean, if this, you know, the I've been riding. I think I've done it maybe three or four times. Is I just go to the um jim put on netflix on my phone and just spin on the exercise bike with me and like the silver haired's all next to me and it's perfect right <laughs> um, and it feels really good and i know like i'm gonna lose you know um i don't really feel like i get getting in the pool um i don't my i kind of hurt my rib a little bit so like lying down and doing right. exercises and stuff i'm not gonna be able to do um yeah. for a while and i'm got a little stressed about it. And I was like, you know what, I will always come back. And if I don't give myself, especially, you know, my side time to heal, it's not going to heal. And then I'm going to be yeah. stuck. So, you know, just a little, you know, lesson vicariously for you guys <laughs> that it's okay. Yeah. I know that it's going to be all okay, but if you don't take care of yourself, where meet yourself where you're at, you're going to be, it's going to come back and bite you. Yeah, so. and that's uh, that's the perspective of experience right there. So exactly, exactly. Well, and we'll, be, we'll let you lead the push-ups out at, at the Cape Cod retreat. So okay, Miss yeah. <laughs> CrossFit. I'm just awesome. All right, thanks you guys. As always, feel free to um, you know chime in on the Facebook page, write in with any questions. Um, you know, racing season's coming up, but we're super excited to see you guys um, hit the starting line and hit the finish line and, and hear all about it in between. So. Um, have a great yeah. rest of your week yeah. and we'll uh, talk to you soon.